What's going on, you deliriously dopey dugongs? Welcome to this week's episode of Total Pod Mode. My name is James, also known as Mr. Bames, and I'm joined, as always, by the wondrous Will, also known as Hoodafunk. Hey, yo! Back for another week, another exciting episode of Total Pod Mode lined up for the listeners. Certainly is. We've got our usual catch-up. We've got some news with some interesting stuff going on. Bit of a Microsoft update. Two Microsoft updates, in fact, technically. And then uh, maybe some cheap graphics cards. Who knows? Are they going to be any good? Again, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. And then rounding off the show, we have Completionist Corner, but a slightly different Completionist Corner this week. In previous weeks, we've sort of used Completionist Corner as sort of a book club for games, going on a bit of a deep dive into the story as well as how we've played. This week, we're uh, hitting a game that we sort of hit a bit last week, but we've been playing a lot of it together, a lot of co-op this week. So we're going to do a bit of a deeper dive into Diablo 4 this week. Absolutely. Looking forward to getting into that later. But before that... Let's hit them socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. So, Will, obviously I know that you've been playing a lot of Diablo 4 this week, but uh, hit me up. What else have you been playing this week, if anything? Well, i got to say, man, that really is the only thing I've been playing this week. I've been preparing for a very special event, and uh, yeah, it's been keeping me busy. So I'm going to pass this one straight over to you. Have you managed to play anything other than Diablo this week? Uh, So I did manage to play a little bit of uh, Dragon's Dogma. Oh, very nice. Okay. This is a game that we've spoken about a little bit in the past, and we'd even discussed actually trying to do this one together if it's possible. Which I don't believe it is. Is it not? That's a shame. I don't think so. And uh, it's a game that I've picked up about four or five different times on about four or five different consoles never really got very far in it at all but always wanted to get further in it so i thought hey why not try for the seven millionth time to do just that so i got started on it i'm not very far in at all so far i'm still doing things that i pretty much remember with the exception of one mission i did fine fine is it pretty much your standard rpg fare go collect seven eggs (laughs) yeah there is a lot of that sort of bullshit yeah but it's not standard in the sense that it has something called the pawn mechanic whereby you can create a companion for yourself and they kind of have AI that is meant to make them do certain things. And it's kind of interesting, but I wish you could actually pick what their starting AI was rather than just answer some questions and hope for the best. Is it a little bit like the GOAT test in Fallout in terms of how they generate a personality? Ish, but at the end of the GOAT test, you can edit everything if you don't like it. Right, okay. Which, on this one, you can't. No, you you don't even see what it is until you get your pawn generated. And then you can sort of change it a little bit by sitting in a chair of knowledge uh, in the inns, which basically means you're getting drunk with your pawn. And uh, you can sort of, again, through a series of questions, normally multiple choice, you can sort of push them in other directions. But it's very clunky, and in my opinion, it'd be better if you could just customise it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, other than that, it is pretty much a standard RPG. The combat mechanics are a little bit more interesting just because you can climb on stuff. Yes, I, that was a part of it that I really enjoyed. The fact that you can seemingly grapple onto any enemy, larger ones included, and sort of climb around and attack them. And it works in a much more fun way than the mounting system in Monster Hunter works, where you just land on them and enter kind of like a set animation sort of thing where you can hop around. You can truly crawl around these things, can't you? Yes, it is slightly limited by your stamina bar. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, basically, if you just go up to something's leg, uh, press the grapple button, you can climb up it. And so long as it doesn't shake you off, you can get to certain points and just keep smacking the shit out of it. Some enemies have individual parts that can be killed off before others. Okay. For example, in the tutorial level, there's a chimera. So you can cut the snake's tail off, then you can kill the goat on its back, and then you've just got the lion head at the front. Nice. So there's cool things like that. And because I'm running a fighter this time around, because I just kind of want to do my best just to get through it. So I want to be powerful. And my support pawn is um, a giant, like the tallest it can be, the heaviest it can be, because that gives them the most equipped load. So I can use him as a pack mule. Okay, okay. And he's a support mage. So he just buffs my weapon with holy enchantment for zombies and stuff like that. Heals me if I need it. But his personality, he's got one of the things I want, utilitarian, which is basically just aid people when they need it. So if I need to get my weapons buffed, as just described, and healed, etc. But his main one is basically he just goes around picking everything up. Okay, which is obviously pairs well with his pack mule abilities. It does, but I don't want it because he's literally stopped fighting something to pick up an item. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that's not so good or interrupted a healing spell because he noticed the <laughs> herb over there oh a lump of it. coal oh piece of candy it's that sort of thing honestly like literally it'll be like i'm in the middle of a fight need healing and then it's like he's called cromwell cromwell will pick up a rock fine okay and it's just like what I, mate come on get your shit together cromwell exactly I, I need you over here buddy get over here uh, but he's he's sweet enough he, do, he does the job when he's on point he's on point but if i could have just set his ai different it would just be spot on now in terms of the controls for this game in terms of the melee combat how does that work same as any other game you would expect um you got weak attack strong attack is that mapped to x and y or is that bumpers triggers uh, x and y x and y fine so yep, yep. yeah the fairly standard hack and slash type control yes scheme. but you can then hold down right bumper presumably r1 and you will then have on the three buttons that aren't a um, special abilities for your class skills if you like oh okay okay so i've got for example there's one attack where i can just rush forward and just like obliterate one enemy it's really fucking useful and then because i'm a fighter i've got my shield stuff on left bumper so left bumper i hold it to block but then also i've got three abilities on my shield as well fine so you can be blocking and then activate an ability whilst doing so yeah exactly that. nice that's useful but obviously if you're a class that doesn't have a shield that would probably be your other your secondary weapon if you have one so it might be the bow for the archer class because uh, their primary weapons are daggers i think and they're not archer it's called strider or something fine but I think their primary weapons are daggers and then their secondary weapons bow, so maybe it controls the abilities for them. Are there any kind of notable classes or weapons that you've encountered yet that you don't typically experience in other games? Weapons, no. Classes, not that I've personally used or encountered, but there is uh, the magical archer class, which is quite an interesting one. Right. So is that a set class or is that something that you're just able to achieve through leveling up the right things? Uh, you don't really level up things. <laughs> so you get vocations, which is your class. Fine. And they level up with you and you're set to the whatever the vocation you have, you'll get appropriate stat increases for that vocation. You can switch vocations at pretty much any time. You just need to have some discipline points, which you earn by killing enemies and doing basically experience, but it's not experience. And is that this game's version of a respec? No, no, it's not, re not respec at all. It's for leveling up. I don't think you can respec. So like, for example, you might do 10 levels in fighter and then decide, ah, oh, I want to be an assassin, which is the cross between the fighter and the um, sort of more roguey archery build. Okay. And then you can buy it for a, a thousand discipline. 
and then you'd be leveling up in that. Then you might say, oh, I've done 10 levels in that. I want to do 10 levels in a another vocation. So you don't necessarily lose the skill points when you go over and pursue something else. You get to keep everything and progress it as well. Yes, but if you're using a vocation that can't use the weapon, you won't be able to use the skills associated with said weapon. You'll have them, but you won't be able to use them. So I guess that's similar to kind of when you don't have the right stats in Dark Souls to wield a weapon, that it just does next to no damage and doesn't work as intended. Not at all. You literally can't hold the weapon is my understanding. Oh, right. Okay. I've not tried it, but I don't think, I think you just lose the ability to use the weapon. Fine, fine. Okay, okay. But no, and the only other thing that's notable really is that there's no dodge. Yes, that was one of the things I wanted to ask. No dodge, no quick step, presumably, as well, then. So it's purely blocking. Certainly with the fighter class it is. I don't know if there's a dodge roll or anything else, but it's not natively mapped to B because B is interact with stuff because A is jump. And are you aware if there's any sort of parry system at all? Uh, Not like a Dark Souls, but you can, like, perfect block. Okay, okay, that's something. But no, other than that, just a standard RPG, and I'm not very far in it because I have just been playing Diablo, basically. Yes. <laughs> that's where the meat of your time's been this week. Nice one. But yeah, so... If you've got no games to talk about, then I guess it's time we move on to the news. So in our first news story this week, we're continuing a recent run of gaming showcases here. The Xbox Games Showcase 2023 took place on the 11th of June, and this was combined with the Starfield Direct from Bethesda for a double whammy of gaming goodness. Very nice. I believe there were about 27 games shown in total, uh, but some of the notable ones that I thought I'd pick out for us to discuss here are, of course, Starfield, uh, which we saw a lot more of. Yes, that was like a whole half an hour gameplay footage. I mean, that was really good to see, reassuring in a lot of ways in terms of the gameplay, and it does certainly look very familiar, if you feel me, looking at, uh, you know... I'm I'm kind of feeling Fallout 4 vibes in terms of the shooting mechanics and things like that. Obviously, you can tell that the graphics have been majorly pulled forward. Yeah, it looks uh, really good, man. Very impressive what they're still squeezing out of that engine, huh? Yeah, and it's it's looking a lot better than it looked the last time I saw footage of it, I'll say that much. And it actually has sort of reinvigorated a little bit of hype for me. It looks like it's going to be very good, actually. So I'll probably sort of rue those words in a few months when it comes out and runs like sh** it's a Bethesda game so we'll have bugs on launch bugs on launch bugs well into the game's life cycle and continuing on I mean it's like you pick up Fallout 4 or Skyrim these days and you're still encountering loads of weird things happening Uh, there's no bugs in Skyrim liar (laughs) they're all intended features exactly all of this just works Fallout for some reason doesn't fall under that umbrella for you Uh, honestly I've not noticed too much in the Fallouts I've played a lot I'm sure it's there but the one I played the most is Fallout 3 and I don't remember that being too buggy Um, but maybe that's just me looking back with rose tinted specs but no so starfield looking very good the only sort of controversial thing to come out of it if you want to call it controversial is that it was confirmed that uh, sort of around this time that uh, the console versions are going to be locked at 30 fps yes which is uh, i'm tempted to say in a way unsurprising although it is still weirdly disappointing to be limited to that on current day consoles i think that in terms of just getting this game to run on those consoles especially using the bethesda engine i mean i know that we've got similar kind of comparable games that this one might at a first glance resemble like no man's sky however it's as time's gone on it's become very clear that this isn't just another no man's sky and there is going to be a lot of complexity here that i think that they are going to struggle to run on these consoles so i think that they even said that you're not going to get full 4k on uh well or rather you will get 4k on the series x but you won't on the s 
you're running at something like 1440p instead as well. So they've had to do a lot of bits behind the scenes to make this run on consoles. Yeah, and that's really apparently what the driving force is. They just want to make it run. They have faith in the game. They just want it to run good. It seems that they've gone for kind of overall smoothness rather than peaks of 60 with massive interludes of less than that. <laughs> yeah, well, let's fingers crossed to see if it actually helps and it does do that. Another little bit of interesting news about this uh, Starfield trailer that we get to see was that the adoring fan from Oblivion has made a return to Starfield. Yes, I did see this story and I'm staying away from it. I want to get surprised by that. It's oh, right. Okay. okay. I was kind of annoyed that I saw it, to be honest, <laughs> but, but I did see it before you said that. Fine, yeah. I mean, it's it's def- it's interesting the fact that uh, the way that they've converted him over, you can see the face scan is obviously looks quite a bit different, not just in terms of graphic improvements, but he doesn't look immediately recognisable. However, fans of the series will immediately recognise his voice and kind of general vibe as he approaches you. Oh, is it the same voice too? Oh, I didn't know that. Now I'm spoiled. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be the same? Because Oblivion's like 15 years old. The guy, the person who did the voice might not be voice acting anymore. I don't, <laughs> might I don't not know. even be dead. <laughs> no, it won't be dead, but it might not be doing it anymore. So I think that that was a nice little nugget of Easter egg there for fans of previous series and it again goes a bit of a further way of selling the game reaching back to such an iconic title as oblivion yeah we'll see if that they're putting the most annoying thing in oblivion in the new game is actually going to draw people in but hey respect and i do respect the easter egg as well kind of interesting that that's what the majority of people were talking about following the trailer as opposed to actually the game itself though that definitely at least says something a little bit about the way that this game is likely to be received anyway uh that's probably more to do with the fact that starfield has been coming for about five years running out of things to talk about this new news yeah exactly (laughs) could be could be well, the next game I've got written down here for, that was notable was uh, a new Forza Motorsport coming in October. Very exciting for those driving fans out there. I do count myself among them, although I haven't really bought a Forza game in quite a number of years now. But uh, yeah, new Forza is always good. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely good news for fans of the series. This is kind of, it looks like one of their more serious racing simulation ones as opposed to the side series where they start to take sidestep and horizon yeah thank you yeah where they started to go away from that quite so strict and realistic racing sim this will be a return to form for forza and uh something to watch out for fans of the racing series normally very very good so fingers crossed they continue in that vein i'm always really really impressed by the graphics of these games and i'm always really really impressed by the way the cars drive it's really realistic (laughs) yeah i just uh it's not really personally what i look for in a racing game although i I'm the first to admit that racing games aren't really my type of games in general. They used to be more mine, but not so much anymore. I'm more of a need for speed kind of burnout kind of guy. Mario Kart kind of guy. Yeah, just hold down the trigger button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have to, like, actually break, then that's not so good. I used to play with manual gears changes as well. That is one thing that I have always done on Forza is play with manual gears. Because, I mean, if you're in for a penny, in for a pound, right? (laughs) And also you do it better. You can get quicker acceleration and stuff. Anyway, we digress. The next game I've got here is uh, a game... I played a little bit of the first one because it was on Games Pass. I've I've included it more because it's a really well-received, critically acclaimed title rather than anything else. But The Senuous Saga, Hellblade 2. Did you ever get a chance to play the first one? No, I didn't. This is a title that I've been meaning to play. And whenever I do end up getting kind of a Games Pass for a month or for really cheap or something, it is a game that I mean to pick up but uh no i've never never found time to play it 
does look very interesting. It covers some interesting themes around mental health uh, and the art style and graphics were really, really impressive for the time and stand up now as well. Yeah, it's a little bit too cinematic for my taste, which is why I put it down. Sounds like I could vibe with something like that, though. Yeah, I, I, w- I was expecting it to be a bit more of a fighter than it was. There's Fine. fighting bits in it, don't get me wrong, but and maybe I just didn't get far enough in it, but it was very cinematic. I agree with everything you've said there, though. It looks lovely, even now. Those graphics are great. Rounding off with a couple of big old RPG games here. The first one that we've got was Avowed, which is a game that I know not too much about, but is one of those ones that I'm sort of keeping an eye on because it sounds like it could be cool. Basically, big old open world RPG, lots of fighting, lots of cool stuff. I mean, it's kind of Swords and Shields style combat with a heavy focus on you casting magic yourself. And it's from a first person perspective. I guess closest comparators I can think is something like Bioshock with a much more developed melee system as opposed to using various like grenade launchers and revolver (laughs) pistol shotguns and things. This is going to, you know, focus much more on older types of warfare. And spells seem to be the biggest part of this in terms of the way that you're casting them. It does look very fun, although I will say I'm not hugely turned on by this. No? I think the fact that I'm such a big fan of Bioshock has actually made me kind of lean away from playing too many other games where there's like a whole spell casting first person perspective system going on. So it was a bit of a similar story with Atomic Heart as well Is the more gameplay I looked at Atomic Heart and uh, in terms of the way the game was written as well, I just thought this is just kind of like it's using bits of Bioshock, but not implementing them as well, in my opinion. Uh, And I... I'm just getting a similar feeling with Avowed as well. Although I am interested with a bit more of a melee focus over shooting guns, admittedly. And that's the thing that's sort of making me think that it could be really cool. Because having those sort of Bioshock-esque powers, if the melee system's on point, that would just be a nice accompaniment rather than needing to be the main event. And I think it could be really cool. But because of the way I do things, which isn't great for podcasting, I've got to admit, I am staying away from it a little bit so that if I do decide to get it, it's all quite surprising. I suppose the only thing that concerns me there is that I have yet to see melee combat implemented really well in a first person game. I can't think of any that particularly come to mind. I suppose Dishonored wasn't a bad attempt, uh, although I much more lean towards the projectile weapons in that. Chivalry has that type of thing, but obviously that is an entirely dedicated system to the melee combat. You wouldn't be able to like stick spell casting on top of that with the way that game's configured. So I'm very interested to see how they implement this. What I'm hoping to avoid is something that looks or feels a little bit too much like Skyrim, where although the melee combat is passable i don't think it's particularly polished or works particularly well well i think that's blasphemy personally (laughs) each to their own (laughs) i know what you mean though as you say we'll see remains to be seen but the second rpg i've got down here is one i think we are both interested in at least to some degree and that is uh we got a little bit more of a look at the new fable game the new fable game not a not a numbered title just fable It's a reboot. Same universe, new story completely. And it looks really good, man. Well, you say looks really good. We didn't get to see much of it, really. It was mostly a CGI trailer in terms of it was Richard Iowardi chatting and and speaking whilst being a giant. Yeah, which they have confirmed is, is representative of the game, though. So either they're lying 
or it's true. Well, it depends. Is Peter Molyneux involved? Because uh... no, not at all. I don't think he is involved at all. <laughs> I was going to say, well, if Peter Molyneux is involved, then they're lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I don't believe he's involved at all. No, yeah, it's it's very intriguing. It was cool to see just a glimpse back into that universe that it's been confirmed that it's coming. I guess there are going to be fully fledged giants in the game, and I guess that you will be able to walk around giant houses as a, a little person relative to the giant environments you're in. The other thing that I noticed that was kind of a focal point of the trailer was it was kind of... This is the end of the Age of the Heroes, which obviously was the focal point of the prior Fable titles. You were a hero yourself, and that gave you all sorts of various abilities. You were part of a large prophecy. Whereas this one marks that the kind of the power has fallen into the everyday man now. You know, civilians are wielding magic, it looks like. So it'll be very interesting to see just how that changes up the dynamic, how that changes up enemy fights as well in the game. Are we going to be fighting other magic users now? That'd be cool. Most likely. As you say, I think they've completely re- rebooted everything and i think it's going to be way more of a standard traditional rpg style like a skyrim rather than what fable used to be which was rpg but it was very much a sort of basic hack and slash type affair and as you say didn't really face too many magic users or anything like that i think they were there but yeah i think it could be really cool man if they're just putting that universe to use with really cool things and cool adventures and a new story i'm here for it man yeah absolutely I really did like the trailer, although I just wish we got a bit more. I wanted to see some actual gameplay. I want to get some eyes on at what this game is actually going to look like. Is this going to be a huge shake-up to Fable? Or is this going to be just a return to form, you know, with obviously time has significantly moved on since the last title? I think it's going to look completely different, going to feel completely different. I think the only thing that will be similar is the name and the fact it's set in Albion. Okay, I look forward to playing the Fable RTS game in uh, 2025 <laughs> <laughs> that would suck there probably is one imagine actually. there's Albion online that exists yeah yeah that is true so who knows so you're right this is definitely a title that I'm looking forward to I know you are as well I just am absolutely chomping at the bit to see a little bit more gameplay stuff at least some in-engine stuff it doesn't need to be real-time rendered I just want some in-engine footage an image even please <laughs> I'm sure it'll come when the game's a bit more ready So, James, now in hindsight, and uh, not to add fuel to the fire of the console war, but we've seen the PlayStation offerings and we've seen the Xbox offerings so far, or at least the major titles thereof. Do you have an opinion about which one had the better showcase? Uh... I would probably say that PlayStation had the better showcase just purely based on the fact they announced more new games that I'm hyped for. Yes, yeah. But Xbox had a lot more things that I think is more proven in my eyes. Because they didn't really announce anything new. They showed a bit more Lies of P, which obviously we're both looking forward to as well. But I think on balance, probably Sony, but they were both arguably a little disappointing overall. Overall, yeah, I think that it would have been great to see. There's always more, you know, there's always this grass is greener. It would be great to see a little bit more. There was some news I was particularly hoping to see. I was hoping to see some news about Last of Us Factions, the multiplayer mode for that, which didn't end up being mentioned. Death Stranding 2. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It'd have been great to have some news of those titles, uh, and we just didn't. However, I mean, the same can be said for Xbox as well. We've got Kojima's project working with Xbox that we didn't even get a blip of in this showcase either. So on both sides, there's stuff missing. I I think that you're absolutely right. I think on balance, Sony probably did pull out more titles out the bag. It definitely felt like the more hype one. However, 
Xbox has such a dedicated fan base for the games that they're coming out. Avowed is potentially one to be excited for. Starfield is something that is definitely something to be excited for, I think. When we do actually get a release of that, that will no doubt be very interesting, very expansive, and who knows about the actual gameplay experience on release. But I think that that title itself is definitely something to watch. But then you've got the real heart tugs there, which is, of course, Forza and Fable, uh, which are two, in my eyes, for people that like those games enough, console selling titles. Yeah, I agree with that. It'll be interesting to see who wins this generation. Yeah, don't care. PC race that. <laughs> You're out of the console war now. You're out of the yeah, game. I have no skin in that game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the hype around the console comparisons too much, but I do like to see eventually who does come out on top. Yeah, I have much for muchness. I've owned both. I, I never really think remember thinking one was better than the other. Most of them play all the games. Sony have always had better exclusives. I'll cop to that. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what Sony has. But that's kind of shifting potentially now, although the second new story we've got might be putting some dampeners on some of those. Let's get into it. Sticking with Microsoft, it's actually time for an update on our favourite ongoing saga. So this week, Microsoft have been blocked from purchasing Activision Blizzard, for now at least. According to a report from The Verge, a federal court has issued a restraining order that will prevent Microsoft from completing its acquisition of Activision Blizzard until it can consider a preliminary injunction requested by the US Federal Trade Commission, the FTC. So whilst the FTC is attempting to stop Microsoft from finalising its deal before the deadline of 18th of July, Microsoft stated that the injunction was a good thing, as it would speed up the legal process, stating... Accelerating the legal process in the US will ultimately bring more choice and competition to the gaming market. A temporary restraining order makes sense until we can receive a decision from the court, which is moving swiftly. So Will, Microsoft is seemingly not too worried about this latest development, but with this, the UK's CMA not approving the deal and the looming threat of a $3 billion breakup fee if the deal isn't completed by 18th of July, it's perhaps spenny times ahead for the tech giant here. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh I feel like the three billion breakup fee is probably a drop in the water, considering that this overall deal's value is sixty-nine billion. Nice. But I think the Microsoft are right to be sort of keeping a public-facing, positive view on this. The last thing that they want to do is come across as deriding the decision of these large commissions. And uh, as we sort of discussed in the last time we picked up this subject, you had Microsoft saying clearly the UK market is closed for business and they were kind of fighting back on uh, on some of these decisions. Whereas I feel that this is probably a better approach to adopt where they're sounding calm and confident about it and actually saying that this is a positive thing even. Uh, goes a long way to say just how much their overall confidence is in this going through. Although I got to say my own confidence in this going through is waning by the day given the ongoing news about this yeah and they've only got a month to sort of sort things i'm sure that'll get extended don't get me wrong this is too big of a deal to just be rushed through in a month but yeah it, it does seem like it's getting more and more negative towards the outcome that i certainly thought was going to be the case with no issues whatsoever uh, way back when we first started reporting on this story hmm. um so interesting times ahead once more, we'll keep you posted when there's major updates on this story. But for now, it seems like uh, this one is on hold once again. Yeah, until next month, I guess. So moving on to our final news story, and potentially something a little bit more upbeat than what we've just discussed there. NVIDIA have brought forward the launch date of their RTX 4060 series graphic card to this month. 
So from the 29th of June, you'll be able to order a shiny new 4060 with prices starting at $299 for the 8GB card, a saving of $100 when compared to the already available 4060 Ti. Okay, so the prices are finally coming down a little bit. So they're hopeful that this will be a little bit more successful than the 4060 Ti has been, with initial sales being described as lukewarm with many seemingly disappointed by the price. And the performance as well. Yes, and the performance. Although I, I must admit, I've not personally seen too much of that, so I can't comment. But yes, the people, they aren't happy. And perhaps this is the reason why NVIDIA have brought forward the release date of the 46 standard. Cynical maybe, but only time will tell with the 4060 facing competition, not just from AMD's upcoming Radeon RX 7600, but last generation cards from both companies as well. And this is where the interesting point comes up, because the article, shouts to PC Gamer for this one, actually states that the older stuff is going to get cheaper here, which is in complete contrast to what we reported on months ago at this point. That's exactly right, yeah. Where they said that it was going to stay high because the cost of silicon stayed high. So I know that you're actually potentially looking at upgrading the old graphics card at some point, and I know that uh, I've got other friends who are too. Does this do anything for you in that regard? Honestly, it's great news for me in terms of the fact that graphics card prices are slowly sinking back to normal and in some cases even below normal prices. However, I have read quite a lot of news around 40 series users being unhappy with the performance of their cards. Particularly, I think that that might have been accentuated by the spate of poorly optimized games for PCs that we've seen this year. Uh, I've also read into the specs of some of the lower end of the 40 series cards and honestly, it seems that their performance doesn't still justify the price in terms of getting an upgrade. I think that a lot of people are of the mind that actually, do you know what? I'm going to hang on to my 1080 Ti for another year or two until we see the next series. So I think that one thing that they are absolutely doing a big focus on is the deep learning super sampling, DLSS, which is essentially AI-generated frames that can up to double the frame rate in certain games by inserting high-quality AI frames in between the actual frames of the game. The technology is impressive there, and it certainly does do uh, its job. But I think that the point being missed there is that we want the actual performance over something that imitates a performance increase instead. I think DLS is definitely something to be excited about. However, I think that the performance of these cards still doesn't quite justify uh, the current prices, and I will be waiting a while. I'm not tempted by the 40 series. If anything, actually, I think I'd be looking at perhaps buying a higher-end 30 series card as the prices come down. Yeah, as the prices <laughs> come down for that, as opposed to the 40 series, I think that's probably the move I will make at some point. I can't say anything against that. I've got a 3080, and I love it dearly. It's very good. I just hazard to say that you know a lot of this information I'm rolling on is just essentially coming through word of mouth in terms of uh, the uh, the performance of the 40 cards that are installed on people's computers at the moment. However, looking into the specs myself for the 4060, it's it's not that impressive aside from the use of the DLSS. Yeah, I've got to say, because I'm very, very happy with my 3080, I've not really been paying much attention to this series because I'm not going to probably look at this one or the next one. I think I'll be good for a, for a while now. But Yeah, absolutely. Considering you bought one at the uh, the peak of the demand for those cards as well. Probably overpaid, but that's <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> probably definitely overpaid, but hey, I mean... You got the PC now. Anyone out there looking for an upgrade? $299 seems like a reasonable price to me, but keep an eye on that performance. Make sure it's good before you buy. Do your research. And on that lovely public service announcement there, we come to the end of the news for this week. So now, let's move on to Completionist Corner. Sort of. Here we go for the Completionist's Corner. Corner. 
So as we mentioned at the top of the show this week, we're going to be talking about Diablo 4. So in last week's catch-up, we mentioned briefly a little bit about the story. We're heroes set out into the world of Sanctuary, which is kind of a bit of a purgatory-type deal between heaven and hell. And we're off to fight the daughter of hatred, Lilith, and see what she's up to and foil her plans. Whatever they may be. Whatever they may be. And last week, we start, We were talking a bit more about our solo characters, Mia, Sorcerer, Will, uh, Barbarian. But this week, because we were co-oping, we decided that we'd uh, start new characters and get a fresh adventure going. That's exactly right. Time to team up. Will, why don't you tell the people what character you chose for this round? For this playthrough, I actually chose the Rogue class uh, because, I'd, as I'd mentioned briefly last week, I'd seen a bit of Necromancer gameplay with Liam, so I wasn't overly curious there. I'd also played as a sorcerer quite a bit in previous Diablo titles, whereas the rogue was something that was fairly new and fresh to me. So I jumped in right there, making a female rogue character. And what was her name? I chose the name uh, Fortune for this character. I think that this is, in my mind at least, a little reference back to Metal Gear Solid 2. One of the uh, bosses in that title was called Fortune. And uh, she willed like a, a kind of a giant electromagnetic sniper rifle. I think it was slightly like a rail gun. Her whole deal was that she couldn't be hit by bullets. Uh, her nano machines made bullets zing around her. So uh, yeah, no, I just I just used that name and uh, and went with it. Very happy with the character. I went for a kind of like shaved at the sides, spiky on top haircut and uh, loads of sort of body tattoos and things like that. Very pale skin as well. Kind of looks like one of the night folk from Elden Ring, but way more tatted up. Yeah, not quite as decrepit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this character has a range of abilities. Uh, they have their basic skills in line. Uh, the one that I have chosen to go for, I initially started with the puncture ability, which allows you to throw blades a short distance in order to hit enemies. However, after a while, the lack of range on that made me look into other things. So I've now moved on to using the forceful arrow, which fires a powerful arrow and enemy dealing a certain amount of damage, and every third time I cast that, it also makes them vulnerable, meaning they're more susceptible to hits uh, and generally weaker. I was finding that ability really useful, pairing that one with the rapid fire ability, which is uh, essentially it just turns your crossbow into like a machine gun. Before moving on to the rapid fire ability, I was using the barrage ability, which works in a very similar way, except that it's much more scattergun. And I preferred having the accuracy of just firing a line of arrows with the rapid fire as well. Yeah, very cool looking ability when I've seen it on screen, I must say. Along with that, they've also got the ability to imbue their powers and certain weapons with various status effects. So there's the cold imbuement, poison imbuement and shadow imbuement. I've mucked around with all of them. Uh, I'm finding the shadow one was very good for sort of AOE explosions because any attack that you've imbued with the shadow will make them explode on death. The poison, as you would expect, just slowly drains their health. And I've noticed actually since playing with James that the way that the health bar is represented is, as most people would expect, there's a bright red health bar which slowly ticks down. On top of that as well, there is a darkened section of it which represents the damage that you've done to them through poison and other status effects. So as you watch their whole health bar turn a dark red, you know that in effect you've actually already killed them, allowing you to move on to another person without wasting any more of your powers on them. So I'm finding that very useful in terms of using those imbuement powers. 
And just very quickly, the third and final one, the cold imbuement, is extremely useful for slowing down enemies and occasionally freezing them as well. It gives James and myself lots of opportunities for getting critical hits and special attacks, and also occasionally from preventing them from actually doing an attack, which is very useful as well. Yes, yeah, so I can talk about freezing a lot because that's what my sorcerer build is basically predicated on. <laughs> it's Pure the main focus. For that very reason, it's so good. Just It's so good for crowd control. So very, very useful indeed. My character also has a couple of agility skills, uh, namely the dash and the caltrops, which are two ones that I was using. The caltrops was very good because it slows enemies, and when paired with the dash move, if you dash into an enemy whilst they're slowed, they will get dazed. If they're not already slowed, then they get slowed from the dash as well. So essentially repeating dropping a load of caltrops down on the floor which slows the enemies in a large area and then dashing through them i could daze multiple enemies in once because the dash is quite significantly far across the screen you get two charges of that dash as well so it can be used as a sort of initiator and a retreat away from battle as well so a very agile character the rogue whilst also doing a significant amount of agility reduction for the enemies that you're fighting which makes her very good for kiting and affecting large groups of enemies at once Yes, a very good support class, the Rogue. Very good indeed. Added to that arsenal, I've also been messing around with the Poison Trap, which are deployable mines that I can stick on the floor that are triggered via a tripwire. This one, as its name implies, shoots out a poison cloud around, affecting any enemies within the cloud, as well as the enemies that walk into the cloud. So that is a very useful ability there, just chipping away enemy health. Coupled with the poison imbuement as well, you can absolutely shred health bars using those powers. It works really well whilst James is stomping around with his character. And then finally, I'll move on to my ultimate skills. I've mucked around with all three of these, and I have a definite favourite after using them. So the death trap is an ability which generates a large tripwire trap that does a significant amount of damage to enemies. I found that ability quite boring because I've already played a fair bit with the poison trap and I didn't really want just another bomb related item. I was getting quite enough use out of the poison trap. Another ability that I thought was really interesting but I turned out not to like so much was the shadow clone. So this is an ability where you can clone yourself and they perform all the same actions that you do whilst they're summoned, which is only for about 15 seconds. So not nearly long enough in my mind. I'd have liked them to stick around a little bit longer. I suppose they do essentially... Oh, they don't quite double your damage because I think you initially get them to deal 60% of your damage and then via skill point upgrades you can get them to deal 80% of your damage so yeah but that in general is in my opinion the, the biggest drawback of that ability what's that that it only does 60% yeah. to 80% yeah and and I don't believe it attacks the same target that you're attacking so it's just pot luck as to whether it actually does anything that's my main issue is I feel like it should guaranteed be attacking the exact same target that you're shooting at so you actually feel that sudden increase in power because a lot of the time I'm finding that they're shooting other people or they've disappeared too quickly and i'm not really getting much use out of it so all of these issues led me to move on to my favorite ultimate ability which is the rain of arrows where you shoot a massive volley of arrows in two waves traveling across the floor dealing large amounts of damage to enemies it's by far the coolest looking ability i find because when i say a volley of arrows it really does look like a platoon of archers have just fired hundreds of arrows on the ground and it covers such a large space and deals so much damage and looks so badass that it's the clear winner of the ultimate abilities for my character. It looks like a tidal wave of arrows. It's pretty brutal. That's pretty much my arsenal. What about you, James? Well, so 
Will there being a bit more of a support character with some sort of death blow ability, I thought that I would try a bit more of a melee focused character. Although the character class I did choose could go both ways, it does have magical capabilities as well. I'm of course talking about the druid, nature's champion. So a little bit about my character first. He's a big hairy motherfucker called Griswold. Yeah. <laughs> Shiny yeah. green eyes. Chunky boy. Chunky boy. Big boy. Like he seems like, I think he's one of the taller uh, character models. He's definitely one of the wider character models. <laughs> he is the widest character model, I believe. But yeah, he's a cool guy. Uh, I've got him a custom outfit where he's looking very tribal busts around wearing all green nature um and uh, the druid class is uh, as i say a sort of combination of melee and magic but i have fucked off the magic completely because i've got a sorcerer on the go and that's like the pinnacle of magic i don't, <laughs> I don't need i don't need any of this nature shit. and what the druid has that sort of drew me to this character rather than perhaps the barbarian or the rogue myself uh, is the shape-shifting abilities he can transform into either a werewolf or a werebear and I sort of went with the theory of this motherfucker's huge and already looks kind of like a bear. I'm just going to go straight werebear. So I haven't gone through quite the gamut of emotions with my abilities that Will just went through there. <laughs> I've basically known how this was going to go the whole time. And I have pumped all of my abilities into every single bear related ability I possibly can. Uh, so my basic attack is I transform into a werebear and I maul motherfuckers down. And it's got upgrades on it, which um, has a 20% chance to knock enemies over for a second and a half which doesn't sound like a long time but it actually is quite significant it's very significant because not only does it give you that window to attack but it also prevents them from doing the attack that they were just charging up as well it's it's something i found really useful as part of my poison trap ability that it knocks them over on exploding yeah when well, it also funny you mentioned the poison trap ability it synergizes wonderfully with your poison trap ability because people get knocked over they stay in the poison cloud for longer uh, also works very well with his ultimate the uh, volley of Aris stuff so very cool for like a basic ability yeah 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 and then so, and my secondary ability uh, is called pulverize i believe and i just slam <laughs> the ground and it's got quite a big area of effect on it and does significant damage. The druid mechanic, and I think it's actually the same with the thief mechanic, you have to attack with your basic attack to build up, in my case, spirit. I believe in the, your case it might be called focus. I think it's just called charge. Which is slightly different to the sorcerer that I've been playing, which has a mana pot, if you like, that drains and then recharges automatically without you doing anything. With this, you have to be constantly attacking, which works really well for the playthrough I'm playing. But this pulverize ability is great for crowd control. It's sort of my go-to sort of heavy attack. It's a great finishing move it seems to have this uncanny ability to get crits at just the right time it's been excellent <laughs> another couple of abilities i've got that are of note is that i've got one ability where i transform into a bear and just run in and i knock into enemies dealing significant damage and if i knock them into walls it does bonus damage and they're stunned for sort of two three seconds nice and that's super handy for like getting involved just running in and i've actually i can't remember if i've put the upgrade on it yet or i'm going to put the upgrade on it soon that when I do the attack, it actually gives me 20 spirit. I can then just pulverize stuff more straight afterwards as well if I've got an empty bar. It's already really handy, and I think that's going to be more handy as the games go on. Nice. And then uh, I've got a sort of area of effect ability, which is I basically summon a bird in, uh, or a bunch of birds in, and they sort of form a circle. I could upgrade it so that that will make people vulnerable for three seconds or so. I haven't decided if I'm going to do that yet, but that's a possibility. And sort of as a bonus to that, randomly every so often a bird will just come out and just like hit enemies for like one hit. Decent damage, but not too much. It's very random, isn't it? You just see very kind of a crow. Random. It's not even really marked. If you blink, you'll miss it's it. It's not but... marked at all. A crow just sort of flies out the sky and just dinks someone. 
I like it. I'm I'm adamant that it's bought me a health potion once as well. But oh, really? I might have just made that up. Yeah, I think it did. Maybe it just killed the guy and he dropped a health potion? I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It might have just been good timing. You can also summon wolves, can't you, as part of that set of abilities. I don't don't think you focused on that, but I think wolves is another creature you can summon. Yeah, it was two wolves and I think the other one was a poison vine or something. But yeah, I just focused on the birds because I wanted that little birdie helping me and it's that been really cool. Super useful. Like it's it's always great when uh you're fighting a big fight and then the bird comes in and just gets that last hit on the dude running yeah, away satisfying <laughs> very satisfying indeed uh, and then uh, the next ability is probably the ability i use the most and it's the, been the one that's like super handy is my bear roar ability and this works initially as just a debuff to enemies and bosses and elites which is really handy i think uh, fully spec'd it makes them do 70 percent less damage for a sort of three or four seconds which is super handy and also fully upgraded it gives me abilities such as fortify which basically adds another health bar on top of my health bar and just absorbs some damage nice kind of like a barrier yeah um and uh, also heals me a little bit as well so that's oh, become very really nice. handy that sounds a little bit like one of my barbarian abilities. My other character, I can create a, a barrier that also lets me get some health back. Yeah, and it recharges super quickly, which is just really handy. It makes me able to use it a lot. Very good. No need to use healing items either, then. Well, no, but they're still needed, though. But it does some health regen. It's not loads. Uh, and then my ultimate is basically just super big boy werebear mode uh 20% more damage 20% less damage received and i uh, just go a bit mad and i can literally just stand there tanking at this point very very handy particularly in conjunction with the bear roar ability because yeah. whilst in that bear mode i can still use all my other bear abilities so the only ability i can't use in my ultimate form which probably lasts about 20 seconds or so it's more mate it's actually it's 50 seconds your grizzly rage ability lasts for and then you can also actually upgrade it for an additional 10 seconds for every kill you get so you can get it up to a minute in length oh damn there you go doesn't seem like that long <laughs> hey man it's better than my 15 seconds of getting my duplicate that's for sure but no that's been super handy uh losing the bird's ability while in that form is a price worth paying for the additional power and survivability and all of these abilities synergize very well with will's character and this is sort of I don't know if it was planned this way. It certainly wasn't from my side. It's more of a happy accident. Yeah, definitely. But it works really nicely because a lot of Will's abilities sort of slow people down, knock them over. My abilities can knock them over, but my abilities are very much crowd control, melee focus, tanking, getting in amongst it. Works really well. Yes, because my abilities focus a lot around crowd control as well. Uh, I'm very agile, so I get to stay out of the way and pick people off from a distance. I kind of stand on the periphery of the battle a lot of the time and then occasionally dash through to to help James out with some stuns and some uh, dazed effects and things like that for enemies. But for the most part, I'm just in the back, slowly chipping away at people while he's doing the majority of the chunk of upfront damage. Yeah, tank class, got to be done. Yeah, I guess I focus on the uh, also the archers and things like that to avoid them from shooting too much. And, uh, you know, that can be quite a drain on your health while you're fighting a large group of enemies, especially those goat boys. Those goat boys with those big old spears, they shred you. It's the ghosts, man those banshees but yeah this is my first ever cooperative diablo experience 
so it was really fun to jump in and it, you know i love the game single player but it does add an extra dimension co-op as you mentioned last week i mean it really does have that mmo feel oh yeah this is straight up an mmo yeah yeah it's not hiding it i think that is what makes it feel so good in terms of the co-op because it does have a lot of similarities there and in terms of like loot systems and stuff it's completely separated so you still have that equal experience of playing a single player dedicated title however you've got the added bonus of just being able to play it with a friend and get divided loot it's still worth mentioning that throughout this week we've had i would say maybe 75 percent smooth experience but then there have definitely been some still very noticeable network issues uh, causing problems for us during some of our play sessions yeah i think that's a little harsh 25 percent is harsh do you think yeah, i think that's a little harsh yeah there's been lag in some of the towns but when we've been out in the open i don't recall anything too egregious probably 25 percent of my overall playtime, at least perhaps not counting all of the time that we spent together i've had quite strong bits of lag it's not stopping me from playing the game but it is noticeable at certain periods i don't know whether i'm playing just during high traffic times i don't know no it's very much it's in the towns for the most part it does happen occasionally out and about i'll give you that but i think 25 percent that's that seems high to me it's like uh, on entering and exiting towns as well as exploring areas where they tend to have events, I'm noticing. And as you get a bit later into the game, the events get less and less sort of situated directly outside the town. So I guess that's where I'm kind of noticing it. It's not so much that maybe the entirety of that 25% of the time is nothing but lag, but I'm looking forward to when they do eventually get on top of the uh, netcode and servers and actually making that work a little smoother. No, I, I do agree with you there 100% because I have had issues, especially in combat sometimes because being a sorcerer on my main file, a lot of uh, spells and area of effects going off at the same time. Apparently that causes the network to run a little slow, which considering they said come slam our servers is all very ironic to me. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, I think we said that was either one of the things that was either very confident or very foolish. And uh, I kind of, I feel like it may have been the latter now. Does seem a little foolish at this stage, doesn't it? Well, I mean, those were beta tests as well. So, uh, you know, that with a <laughs> clearly much smaller crowd playing them, whereas at this point the game is out for everyone. So uh, the servers really are getting slammed at their highest. It does seem to be an overwhelmingly popular game at the moment i think there is loads of streamers uh playing it i'll be interested to see say in a month's time if uh, people are still sticking around for this given that it does have those live service elements but for myself i can definitely still see my playing this way into the future given how much fun i had on diablo 3 playing with friends yeah i, I agree at the moment i'm very aware that i'm in sort of the first couple of weeks hype honeymoon phase exactly and i i'm also very aware that i do have other games that i have just fucked off for this <laughs> and it's it's very harsh on those games but i i think i can see myself doing the same firstly because i'm enjoying playing it solo so much but as you say the co-op element to it is like really really good fun not something i ever thought would be as fun like having played diablo 3 i couldn't see that being that would just be easy mode like way too easy mode but diablo 4 no complaints here seems to be the opposite as well actually i think we've both had the similar experience where playing together in some of the co-op boss battles that we've had they have been genuinely challenging one of our first real challenging boss fights uh, revolved around us attacking the main boss who occasionally became invulnerable whenever they had i think it was beginning with three and then it was eventually four or maybe even five casters that were feeding blood into the main boss and you needed to eliminate all of the main casters around him before you could actually damage the boss yes which is actually a theme that happens on quite a few bosses in various different guises yeah in events even as well and events yes destroy this thing that's stopping you attacking the, the main thing you need to kill prevent a ritual from happening exactly but it's done to really good effect yeah 
Yeah. And um, yeah, this one sort of got us quite a lot because I think initially we were just going around trying to kill all the mobs that were spawning in rather than focusing our attack fully on the casters. That's right, yeah. And we still actually, you know, we did okay a couple of times, but we were getting rinsed quite a lot. I think it was, as you say, because we lacked that focus, we ended up having much more enemies spawn in and we just weren't able to take them. We ended up getting overwhelmed on the last phase of it yeah because whilst the boss is shielded she's still like summoning stuff in yeah that's right pretty pretty much constantly particularly in the latter phases because worth noting that all of the bosses in this game so far that i've found if they've got like say two or three phases each phase gets exponentially harder in such a satisfying arc when you beat it their attacks increase as well as the m amount of mobs that they summon increases as well so they get real dicey yeah and if it's in one of these boss fights is in a smaller arena like this bossing question that we're talking about it can just get manic absolutely manic don't take this the wrong way but it almost feels a little dark soulsy in the sense that when you get them to that last pip of their health bar the aggression just goes through the roof they suddenly start doing different <laughs> moves or variations on the moves they're doing mobs start pouring in through the walls it's it's a real good it's you know it's it's sweaty but it's good, you know, like it's satisfying compared to Diablo 3, which often felt like you could just walk around holding the A button and watch as you melt enemies away. Well, I mean, you literally could. With yeah. The sorcerer. You just, I just held, I, I think I mapped my hyper beam to right trigger and was just like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is the word. Literally ridiculous. Um, and, and that's something I actually give massive props to Diablo 4 is the, the increased challenge. I Definitely. feel like certainly the mobs, if you're in the overworld and stuff, for the most part, you're fine. You can get ganked. A lot of things can attack you at once, but if you're prepared for it, it's all right. But the bosses in the dungeons and things like that, some of them can be brutal, man. Yeah, you've really got to think about how you do them. And if you're not doing them correctly, you're going to have a really hard time and probably die if you're, you know, depending on the world difficulty you're playing on. Yeah, so watch out for them hardcore characters. Just to finish my thought from before, so you mentioned there that playing, or that your assumption that playing this cooperatively would be playing it on easy mode. I think we've both had that similar shared experience where, and, and you may expect this considering that we played it for the first time together, but then when we have returned to those bosses on single player experience, it's been a much more straightforward time. And I think that obviously some of that involves the fact that enemies are definitely scaled for two players fighting in the same party. And obviously some of it comes from the fact that we know exactly what to do in the, yeah. uh, in the second iteration, but it's an interesting dynamic having a harder time playing it co-op than single player. And I like it. Although I've got to say, that very much applies for the first session we did this week, but... Oh, we got good, buddy. But by the third session, we were melting shit. But I think a lot of that also comes from the fact that some of the later abilities we were talking about earlier then came into play. We didn't start off with everything, obviously. Yeah, we unlocked our ultimate in maybe the second, end of the second session, maybe start of the third session. Mid to end of the second, because I remember like testing it out in one fight or two fights, maybe. And being our ultimate, as the name kind of implies, it is your most powerful ability uh, for the most part. Yeah, it's just... And I... And because my guy's sort of role-playing like this bear character, it's just so fitting that he just goes into manic bear mode. And it's nice because you actually get the bear character model for apparently 50 seconds. I thought it was 20, but... It's a dire werebear as well, isn't it? So it's a lot bigger than your default werebear. Massive, huge, 
big jacked up bear and the great thing is you get it for that length of time because normally he transforms back in a really cool animation to be fair but he transforms back into human form after attacking and stuff but it's nice to get the bear some props i'm sure the wolf looks excellent too but this character's a bear yeah no i think that the bear fits the character model better than the wolf does it almost it looks like he almost shrinks in certain places when you turn into the wolf but both are very cool abilities and definitely uh it's definitely giving me food for thought in terms of when i do return to my own druid character i think i might just go full werewolf and see where that takes me instead still f***ing off the magic like it (laughs) yeah oh yeah 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 i did see some other cool abilities that you potentially got in your arsenal there's like a boulder chucking ability that i'm quite curious about as well Earth magic doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, no, fair play. Uh, I think it it's it's intriguing. I just want to see him, whether he rips a boulder out the ground and chucks it. That's what I kind of imagine he's going to do, which sounds cool. It probably cool. just summons from air or something. It'll be cool, though. Like, Don't get me wrong. I'm sure the druid magic is really good, but the guy's a fucking bear, dude. Like, Why would I want to be anything else? <laughs> well, if you ever did want to be anything else as well... The respec ability in the game is very cheap to respec. I think I must have done it on my character about five times now. Not all of them intentionally. <laughs> Tried to do them twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Only only intentionally did it twice. But uh, goddamn, it's it's too easy. It's, it's, it's the wrong way around. You tap the button to respec the whole thing, or you hold the button to unspec just one particular skill. And, you know, I don't always read everything. Sometimes I just mash A and happens yeah, particularly I mean, with the story in this game <laughs> yes i do do a lot of mashing a on the story in this game i'm still very much just enjoying my demon massacre over paying too much attention beyond the fact that lilith is the current big bad yeah to be fair with the car run we haven't been watching cutscenes and stuff apart from the odd quirk in this game of occasionally not being able to skip cutscenes for one of us yeah and it doesn't seem to have any rhyme or reason i think i've invited you to the party every single time so technically i've been party leader every single time but we've both had the issue yeah exactly that so there's no no explanation really odd it's odd. bizarre and and you'll play one time and it will work fine and then you'll play the next and it doesn't so it's not even like a consistent issue there either so now that we've discussed sort of uh, our characters and the synergy and the fun we've been having and all sorts i do want to give a shout out to the dungeon quality in this game they're really good we have played in some lovely looking locations we mentioned briefly last week about how some of the cool things like the uh the sort of almost insect web sack style floors that you can almost see bounce various hellscape looking environments crawling tendrils coming over the sides of the levels yeah so cool it looks like you're going to be attacked then you're just not can't speak enough about the constant impending what feels like at least impending danger in this game it's, it's very good and once again this game looks so gorgeous yeah standard diablo bleak as fuck it's great but we have seen some truly stunning dungeons in the the run we've done this week i want to give a special shout out to a particular dungeon uh, as part of act two uh it was just sort of this lovely druidic foresty type dungeon and it just it was just so well decorated it looked like a really sort of nice tomb but decrepit it looked like it could be danger around every corner there was blood and shit everywhere and really cool looking like corrupted tree roots and stuff and it was just epic i just thought it was great it was a really nice and and more natural looking dungeon as well you're kind of used to seeing those old abandoned ruins and things like that it's nice to see a little bit of a shake up there something that resembles a bit more nature specific yeah really really cool uh it also helped with the mission that went alongside it was really cool as well we won't talk about the story because you know we don't want to spoil things for you but very good time was this the dungeon where we had to locate two keys 
keys to feed it into a door that would then unlock? Uh, I don't think it was two keys, but we did have to find, at one point we had to find an idol and put it in a statue which opened a door. That's right, yeah. So there's a little bit more to these missions than just absolutely piling your way through. And I don't really recall that being in Diablo 3 as much. And that's actually a very pertinent point to something else I was going to bring up in this conversation, which is the side quests you get in this game are all really well thought out. They all have really good, at least so far, they all have really good stories among them, even if it is just go kill 75 of this enemy on occasion. There's always some lore bits that you get to pick up, a family in peril, the characters have meaning, they're all named, which always helps. They all seem to have their own lives. I got led into a basement and forced to perform an execution on- What? An execution? Excuse me. <laughs> an exorcism. <laughs> I, uh, I was uh, asked to perform an exorcism on a child uh, with the help of a shaman. So uh, that was familiar territory there for us. And that's actually also a very good one as well. You're really right helping me segue this together nicely, Will, because they also have certain side quests in the game that have multiple side quests linked into one big overarching side quest arc. Ooh, like The Witcher. Kinda, yeah. It's really cool. And this exorcism one is one of them. There's another two missions involved in that. Oh, there's follow-ons, is there? Oh, okay, okay. And there's a few like that, and some of them are really cool. One of them involves, like, for example, finding a corrupted weapon, fighting the demon that wields it, and then chaos ensues after that for a couple of missions. There's, there's some really cool stuff going on. And it just, along with the fact that the open world is an open world, and it truly is an open world, massive map, this. Huge map, yeah. We've only uncovered a tiny, tiny portion, like maybe less than a quarter. I think I've, in, on my solo playthrough, I've done the first two areas pretty much to 100% completion in terms of exploring them. Fine. And, and that's maybe a third of the map, maybe. And because all the areas are so stunning... And then they have these side quests that make you go wander all of them. There's loads of random dungeons as well, which can unlock passive abilities for characters across your whole account. So really handy stuff. That's right. So if you were to do all of these dungeons with one character, and then you were suddenly to decide to switch to another character entirely on your new game, not only would you have all of the gold that you've earned, which is a fantastic mechanic between all of your characters, yeah. you would also have unlocked all of the abilities that you'd unlocked for alternate classes on other accounts as well. So really, really really useful stuff a great way to give yourself a leg up and not have to start at absolute bottom zero whenever you decide to make a new character yeah and it's also the case with um crafting items as well so you can sort of get your health potion up when you get the appropriate level without having to grind out items if you don't want to it's really really cool user-friendly way of doing it oh so your herbs and everything like that are shared across as well yeah. oh that's really cool okay yeah. awesome so all of that shared and you know all of your other collectibles like um the purple coin things that you get um, that allow you to gamble in the game in terms of getting random items with random stats similar to old Diablo games yeah uh, and uh, the red currency which is I believe for PvP that I, I assume that carries across all characters as well given it's at the bottom. I haven't actually engaged in the PvP at this point. No, me either. But it's something that I can't see myself getting into too much until I've put way more hours into this game because I'm just enjoying the player versus environment stuff so much. Yeah, I probably won't even go near the PvP, to be perfectly honest with you. There's so good PvE. It seems like there's a lot to get through. There's six acts in this game potentially epilogues as well so lot to get through lots of really cool side quests as i've just discussed there so for me if i'm going to go near pvp it's going to be with a fucking super powered level 100 character at the end exactly that and then you can just kind of get a measure of just where your character stands you know in terms of the meta uh, i think that uh, i've discussed the meta before and it's something i typically avoid uh, i just like to play the game how i want to 
But I can definitely see myself, and once again, with regards to the fact that it's so easy to respect all of your skill points, I can definitely see myself getting to that level 50 or getting to that level 100 and then having a real play and just trying out some of the meta builds as well just to see if they really do make that much of a difference in terms of damage output. Take some of those into PvP, why not? Because you're sure as hell going to be facing other people that are engaging with the meta, that's for sure. Yeah, not something I plan on doing, but who knows what will happen when I get to endgame and have potentially multiple characters at endgame level. Who knows what I might do then? I'd love to see some sort of emphasis on team and... uh, synchronicity and synergy in teams and picking characters that work with each other to win team-based objectives hey why not have like a king of the hill mode something like that could actually make the game really interesting i think rather than just having a straight player versus player just deathmatch style i have no idea what it is they may have things like that I, I i doubt it honestly i think it's probably an arena style thing i think that you're probably right but i think that just given the way that this game is going to be built and the fact that they are talking about new content for this game it could well be on the horizon although i do agree with you currently i don't think they're looking into anything quite that advanced no uh, focusing on the battle pass for now <laughs> yeah whatever the hell that's gonna look like gimme 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 well yeah you did actually get the balls out big dick demon fucking slice whatever the hell i called it edition yeah yeah, yeah. so you get you get the old uh battle pass experience boost thing don't you level skips as well i think yeah yeah very nice good shit but yeah and i'll probably be jealous even though it'll, <laughs> it'll just be it'll just be like oh you can have some extra what are those potions called that aren't potions? Elixirs? Yeah, I mean, elixirs. Uh, like the consumable things that you can yeah, keep yeah. in Yeah, yeah, the thing that yeah. I've got loads of in my inventory and I haven't used a single one yet. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah, you might get some special ones of those and probably some cool skins, to be fair. I'm hoping that it mostly revolves around skins, to be honest with you, because that's kind of the thing that I'm always most tempted by. i got to say, I think we, we spoke a little bit in some of our sessions about some concerns that there might not be uh, as cool stuff that's obtainable through the game and that that would funnel people into the battle pass and into buying stuff from the store because if all the cool shit's there in the paid stuff then it would really suck to be running around as a not a free-to-play player but you know as a whatever you want to call it like a base edition player or, or like a a non a muggle a, a muggle yes a yeah. muggle. i like that yeah playing as a as a muggle uh i think that's that... me folks I'm a muggle. <laughs> i think that uh yeah in that sort of situation it would really suck to discover the to get some really cool stuff you're actually gonna have to put money into this but so far i've been pretty happy with the stuff i've seen i think that the game's definitely got a lot to prove in terms of making sure that i still feel that way down the line but i've got a uh, quite a few different cool face masks now i've got like a gas mask with an eye patch and i've got one that uh is like a plague doctor with a hood uh, which i'm really jealous of i really <laughs> want that one and and the cool thing about this game as well is that taking these items to a blacksmith you can salvage them and then it will take the aesthetic of that item allowing you to apply it to any other piece of equipment as well which is really transmog baby yeah they've made it easier than ever available straight away from the start and it costs next to nothing to do other than the item itself that you are taking the aesthetic from yeah so f in the chats for those legendary items that i've salvage so that i don't have to do it again <laughs> yeah oh it's a sad day the game does check up on you as well before it's like are you, re- you really sure you want to salvage the legendary items it does yeah it's quite funny and i'm like yes absolutely get get out of here i'm gonna find something better that, well yeah to be fair 
I only ever do it when I'm replacing them or if it's a dupe or it's crap. Yeah. Because yeah. there are some crap legendary. Well, not crap. None of them are crap, but they might not have the stats that you need for optimization for your build. Yeah, I've definitely come across more than a few legendary items, which is, is that the most, is that the highest tier of rarity or are there further tiers once so. you unlock? I was wondering if there might be further tiers of rarity once you've unlocked extra world tiers, for instance. I don't that know. That could be a thing. I don't know. I'd love to see it. I mean, there's typically what? There's typically, in most RPG games, four or five tiers anyway, and we've got regular magic. Grey, blue, yellow, and orange. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see whether that does become a thing later on. But absolutely, you'll often pick up an orange thing, and it doesn't either have the stats that you want, or you've actually already got something that works better, or even is more powerful in some occasions, some rare occasions. Yeah, and it's particularly brutal with some of them that, like, again... With the sorcerer particularly, because I've spec to ice, and like if I get a special ability that's like, yeah, your fire meteor will do loads more, and it's like, oh great, thanks. That, that's so not helpful for me. <laughs> but with the druid character, so far at least, it seems to be all be stuff that's really fucking handy. Like um, I've got one that if I stand still, <laughs> I end up doing more damage up to 30 percent yes over over time standing still you just increase your damage which works great for your character because a lot of the time you just run straight in and start yeah start mauling start pounding baby <laughs> yeah so it's so it's super useful for my character so it's potluck another piece of equipment also allowed me the ability to dodge twice so i get two charges on my dodge instead of just the one that is super useful considering dodging has been massively nerfed since Diablo 3. It's a five second cooldown and I think it should be four because I always seem to do it with one second. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm hoping that now I won't get accustomed too much to having two dodges so I actually make the most out of them rather than just naturally dodging twice every time. Well, I think I told you when I first got a set of boots with that ability, I thought it was because I'd leveled up to 25 or something. I thought right, you just natively right. unlocked a second dodge and I was hyped. And, and weirdly with this, with them, um, because I deleted that character and started again, and I yeah. didn't know. It did it again, sort of roughly the same level. So I was like oh sick yeah <laughs> then, I, then it went and i was like why would it disappear and i was like oh, it's a boot i was gutted yeah I, i've noticed that there's quite a few items in the game that actually grant you an extra point in your skill tree for certain abilities which i found really useful and actually was the cause of a lot of my respecking because i suddenly found out that i had a point in the skill tree that i wasn't even utilizing because i hadn't hotkeyed it to an ability in the past so i wasn't able to use it so after respecking i was able to make the most out of those additional points from my equipment and in some cases get an extra two points even in one specific ability and get granted a whole new set of things I can do. Yeah, and that sort of ability that items can have to give you that is also useful for trying sh- out. Like if you just if you're curious about an ability but don't want to sink a point there, even though it is super easy and super cheap to refund and reskill. Uh, so yeah, it's re- really handy some of them. And as you say, some of them can put you on the maximum level or above the maximum level, uh, which can be quite powerful. Yeah, man, there is a whole lot of fun to be had in this game, especially in terms of the experimentation between different equipment different builds different abilities that you can use in conjunction with other players as well it's going to get real fun the more we play this and i do feel like the more i play it the more i'm enjoying it i don't think i'm getting tired of this one anytime soon it's funny you say that because when i first started playing it i was getting diabloed out quite a lot as i used to like play quite a lot of diablo but then i have to have a break fine yeah but the last few days playing with you and then subsequently playing solo i have been 
just like no i'm not sick of this at all i think it's because i've got more abilities now i think with both yeah. the characters i've run so far i've noticed that and rightly so by the way i'm not this isn't a criticism even though perhaps i thought it was at the start but you start off super weak and limited in what you can do it takes a good minute doesn't it to actually unlock more than just your base ability exactly and your first sort of skills that you pick are very crucial like, you need to have your, in my case, left click and right click mouse button attacks straight away as quickly as possible. And one of the things that helps you do this, of course, is uh, as you sort of complete things throughout the world, you actually earn renown in that in the regions. And that can unlock you extra skill points and extra potion charges and useful things like that. Oh, can it? That's cool. Yeah. And so you get a bonus on the characters to actually unlock the stuff. But then the renown bonus actually has one set of rewards that is for all the characters in that realm. In that oh, world. I've noticed as I've been menuing occasionally, I've hit a new tier and I press unlock and it gives me a bunch of shit. Yeah, so if you start a new character now, it will probably have, an, it will start with two skill points or something. We'll ah. have all five or six of your potions, whatever you've got. Like, it'll have all those charges. Damn, that's really useful. Really handy. It seems like this game's got plenty of replayability that they didn't actually want to make you have to do some of the more boring, grindy, or kind of just unnecessary stuff throughout all of the characters. It's nice to kind of just condense that all down or across all of the characters. Yes, and on that point as well, shout outs to whoever came up with the idea of once you finish the dungeon, you can teleport back to the start and out the exit for free. Yes, thank God. Beautiful feature. So useful. Beautiful feature. Alongside the permanent town scroll, and the automatic identifying is just its just so much nicer. My inventory is less cluttered. My movements are a lot more smooth. It's just great. You, like, you go out on these massive treks and at no point do you feel like, oh, shit, I've got to trek back. It's just so much nicer that way. Because I have run out of town scrolls before and been stuck in the middle of fucking nowhere and have to go try grind a town scroll. In older Diablos, this is, of course. Yes, I was going to say, I don't think that they had quite those limitations in 3 either, but no, it, absolutely nice. And it, it works better in Diablo 4 than it did in 3 as well, I think. Having it hotkey permanently is very nice. And just being able to teleport to all of your waypoints is just handy too. Quality of life-wise, I think they've improved in almost every aspect on Diablo 3. Yeah, nothing strikes me as more difficult to do in Diablo 3 other than kill the bosses. <laughs> other than the combat and yeah, yeah. general experience, but that's, that's great. Yeah, that's what great. you want. And yeah, I mean, I look forward to seeing what else uh, happens with this game. Obviously, there is going to be more content added to it eventually. You know, there's no way this game won't have DLC of some description. I think we're getting DLC within the month, man. I think that a whole raft of new content is due to come out shortly. Well, there we go. It's going to be hype, man. I'm right there with you, man. I'm looking forward to playing more of this shit with you. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I mean, who's to say we won't have like seven or eight characters by the end <laughs> You can look forward to uh, a lot of the uh, Total Podmo catch-up sessions revolving around more of uh, Diablo content and news. Yeah, most likely. And hey, if any of our listeners out there are playing Diablo themselves and want to come join, we do have a clan. Yes! You search, you search for Total Pod Mode. Uh, feel free to send a join request. You know, we're more than happy to play with you guys. Love to engage, so... Absolutely, and it's always good to grow the clan as well. I'm looking forward to seeing that list rise. Yeah, I've no idea if it actually gives you anything. <laughs> I don't know if there's like clan rankings and shit like that, but hey, bit of fun. Come join. Come and support your local podcast. 
So with that, we come to the end of the show. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And if it doesn't trouble you too much, we would really appreciate a five-star rating on your choice of podcast listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe to us on our various social medias that will drop in just a second. We're really trying to grow interest and the audience of the podcast. With that, we'll be able to bring a lot more features to our episodes. Uh, We'll be working on a lot more sound effects and new themes as well. And we're really hoping to step up the content of this podcast in general. So get clicking, people. It'd be great to see our numbers rise. Click away, people. Click away. And where should you be clicking, I hear you ask? Well, you can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter. And I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames. And I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. Listeners, thanks again. We really appreciate you. Thanks very much, guys. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Bye now.